Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm Dina Marie Hale, your host, and with me in studio is Archbishop Alexander Sample. And today we're going to be talking about a beautiful feast called the Body and Blood of Our Lord Jesus Christ, or Corpus Christi. And so as we begin with that discussion, Archbishop, please begin in prayer. Yes. Lord Jesus Christ, you gave us the Eucharist as a memorial of your suffering and death. May our worship of the sacrament of your body and blood help us to experience the life that you have won for us in the, in the peace of the kingdom where you live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, seed of wisdom. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, this is one of those feasts that's a movable feast because it's tied, I think, a little bit to as we celebrate Easter, right. Pentecost, but then we have this beautiful feast right. of the body and blood, the real presence of Jesus and the Eucharist. A little bit about why this is a significant solemnity for us to celebrate well, in the church. Well, you know, we, we the, the, the Eucharist, as the Second Vatican Council reminded us, is the source and the summit of the Christian life. The council taught us that the church draws all of her life from the Eucharist. In fact, the last encyclical of Pope St. John Paul II was Ecclesia Dei Eucharistia. The church draws her life from the Eucharist. So all of the action of the church, the the council taught us, flows from the Eucharist and leads us back to the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to be source and summit. It's the source of the church's life in other words, all of the Christian life, individually and uh, communally, as the body of Christ, as the church, we draw our very life from the Holy Eucharist. But it's the summit, too. It's the peak experience of the church. It's the, it's a mountaintop experience. So when we come to the Eucharist, we, 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 we draw our life from the Eucharist, but then everything uh, comes back to the Eucharist. It's the whole mission of the church, really, is to draw people to the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Uh, e- even through the proclamation of the gospel, is to help them come to know Christ, accept the Lord, become a part of the church. And in the sacraments of initiation, and for the catechumens in the early church, and even now in the in the in through the Easter Vigil, the culminating moment, the 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 climax mm-hmm. moment, the moment of all moments, is when they partake for the first time of the body and blood of the Lord, that, that which becomes then the source of their, of their life. Uh, so the Eucharist, you know, Jesus said himself in the sixth chapter of St. John's Gospel, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. Um, so Jesus himself teaches us that the Eucharist is, is everything. And why? Because it, it, the council again reminds us it contains the entire spiritual good of the church. 
That's a very important phrase. The In the Eucharist is the entire spiritual good of the church, namely Christ our Lord, mm-hmm. our Passover, yeah. and our lasting peace. Uh, so it's fitting, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in, in, in the wake of the Easter season and Pentecost and Holy Trinity Sunday, that we celebrate a solemnity in honor of, of the body and blood of our, our blessed Lord. Right. And I hear that we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity. And as you explain that, Archbishop, it's like everything about who Jesus is, soul and divinity, is, is within the Holy Eucharist. And I can receive Jesus fully. His real presence mm-hmm. is there. Yes, you know, and it's it's important for people to realize this that in the Eucharist is a a unique and superlative mm-hmm. supreme <laughs> presence of Christ. Cuz again, uh not that the Second Vatican Council is is the only word on this, but it's it's the council that is in most recent in our time. The council said that there are various presences of Christ, if you will, in the church. And especially in the in, even in the liturgy itself, the, the 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 Christ is present in His Word. Christ is present in the minister, namely the priest. Christ is present in the body, the community gathered. But especially in the sacrament of His body and blood, the Holy Eucharist, because as the Church teaches, and, and it's the mystery of transubstantiation, which is a big fancy philosophical word. But it's the word the church has adopted to explain this mystery, that the complete substance of the bread and the wine at Mass is transformed into the very body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it's a philosophical construct, but what it basically says is even though it still looks like bread, mm-hmm. I mean, the appearance doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So the appearance is still there of, of the bread. The, the appearance is still there of the wine. Uh, and all of the accidents, we call them, all of the things that go along with being bread and wine are still there. The taste, the texture, you know, the color, all of it is still there. It, it changed. So we call those the accidents, the appearances, if you will. That's maybe a better word. It's not quite precise, but it's, it's, for our purposes, it'll serve. But the substance, what it is underneath those appearances, has changed. So before, what was underneath the appearance of bread and wine was bread and wine. That's the substance, the inner reality, if you will, of what something is. It's very essence, if you will. Well, now, through the words of consecration, the words of Jesus, when this is my body, this is my blood, which he told us to do this in remembrance of him, now the inner reality, the substance, what it really is, what it really is, is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. So even though those appearances are still there, we, we cannot call that bread, mm-hmm. and we cannot call that wine. That's why I take great exception to some of the Eucharistic songs that I hear sung sometimes that speak of this bread, this, 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 this wine. No, <laughs> It's, it's the body, blood, soul, and truly. And that's why we use words like it's, he, he is truly present. Mm-hmm. He is substantially present. He is uh, really present in the Eucharist. And the whole Christ is present. 
It's not just a part of him. The whole Christ is present in every particle of the Eucharist, in every sip of the precious blood. Jesus Christ is fully, totally, substantially, truly, really present, and in his entirety, his body, his blood, and his soul. Mm -hmm. That's his humanity. We say body, blood, soul, and divinity. His body, his blood, his soul, his human soul, that's his humanity. That's what makes a human being, body and, and soul. But his divinity mm-hmm. is there, too, because Jesus is, 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 is permanently, eternally, for all time now, joined his humanity and his, the, the second, son of, uh, second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son of God, is united to the human nature that he received from his Blessed Mother. And that is, that is how Christ uh, is in heaven and will be for all eternity. So you can't separate him anymore. Right. You can't receive just the divinity of Jesus or just his body and blood. You receive the whole Christ, mm-hmm. the whole second person of the whole. You're receiving not a human nature, not a divine nature. You're receiving a person, yeah. and that person is the second person of the most holy trinity. So that's why the Eucharist is, 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 the, is the superlative gift of Jesus to the church because it is the gift of himself. And that's another important point, you know, during this time of the pandemic, uh, the church has suspended the the reception of of uh, Holy Communion under both species, the 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 sacred body and the and the precious blood, and a lot of people somehow feel like they're missing out on something, that they're not getting you know the whole thing. No, uh, and that's why the church you know for for centuries and centuries did not distribute Holy Communion to the faithful mm-hmm. under both species, because in the sacred host mm-hmm. is the body, blood. Mm-hmm. soul and divinity of Christ. You can't separate him. In the chalice is the precious body, blood, mm-hmm. soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. The whole Christ is there under the appearance of bread in one form. The whole Christ is present there in, in under another form, the precious blood, the consecrated uh, uh, wine in the chalice. So, you know, it's important for people to realize that, 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 uh, so don't, yes, I know that there's a greater symbolic value to receiving both species, but, but you're not receiving any less of Jesus and you're not receiving any less right. grace, right. uh, when you receive under one species. Yeah. And I think as you're explaining this, Archbishop, it makes me realize how important people who are in the hospital, those that are in prison, those that are homebound, those that don't have access to their home parish, that to be able to receive the Eucharist at a time of great need, how amazing is that for them, that there are ministers and priests who take the Holy Eucharist too. You've been to the prisons. I know you have in ministries and to those who are sick and dying that this is the gift that we need, that food for the journey, that food for healing, that food maybe to go on to their their great reward, we pray in heaven, but that we can't dismiss the importance of making the Eucharist available to those in great need who may be in very difficult places. Yeah, the Eucharist is our our strength, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because it's Jesus coming to us. And, you know, the Eucharist itself is, 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 can be seen even as an antidote against sin uh, because it's the presence of Christ yeah. in us. But especially when we're troubled, when we're sick, you know, that's why, you know, communion to the sick is, is a special ritual of the church, you know, to bring Holy Communion to the sick, to the, to the homebound, uh, so that they can also be united to the body of Christ. And uh, in that special form of communion for the sick, which you made reference to, the food for the journey, the viaticum, 
is what the church calls it, viaticum, uh, which means to go with. Uh, via is o- the way, mm-hmm. cum is is with. So it's 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 food for the journey, if you will, that final journey uh, across the waters of death to the to the shores of eternal life, and right. it's it's that that final manna, if you will, from heaven is the body and blood of, uh, of, of Christ to, to lead us over the waters of death to the, to the shores uh, of everlasting life. Many times in our Catholic tradition, we've seen on Corpus Christi Feast Day, particularly processions mm-hmm. of Christ in the monstrance, a, a Eucharistic procession around the church, around the community, in neighborhoods. You're going to be doing it again this year in Portland. I know our friends in Mount Angel will. We have a great community in the Beaverton area that has done this several years now in Beaverton for Corpus Christi. What is some of this about the tradition of being able to have a Eucharistic procession to take Jesus's presence outside of the church, but to the people, to the community, um, for prayer, for blessing, for unity? What's the purpose of these processions? The, the, The purpose of the procession is to give honor uh, to our Lord in, in the Eucharist on on His solemn feast day, and we we don't have to do it just on Corpus right. Christi, but it's it's tradition on the feast of Corpus Christi to to have a procession with the Blessed Sacrament. I mean, the Holy Father has that wonderful tradition in Rome of doing the procession from St. John Lateran Basilica all the way up to uh, Santa Maria Maggiore, St. Mary Major Basilica, through the streets. It's to give honor to Christ in the Eucharist. We 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 carry Him. You know, when Jesus is being carried in procession in the monstrance, oftentimes under a, a, a canopy, it, we're, we're processing with the king. Uh, we're, we're taking the king, if you will, to the streets. And so it's, it's, it's really a, 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 an affirmation of our faith in Christ's true presence. I mean, nobody in, in their right mind is going to process down the street and give honor with incense and song and bells ringing to a piece of bread, mm-hmm. but to to the king, mm-hmm. yes, to the king of kings and lord of lords who's truly present. I hope we made that very clear mm-hmm. in, in a few moments ago. This is really Jesus present. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Paul VI, St. Paul VI, uh, in, in an encyclical letter after the Second Vatican Council called Mysterium Fidei, when, when he saw that there was a crisis of faith in the Eucharist already beginning to happen that soon after the council, wrote this beautiful encyclical. And in it, he even speaks of a physical presence of Christ, that Christ is physically present in the Eucharist. And when the first time I read that, I thought, wow, I, I never really thought about that. But he points out that, no, this is the true presence of Christ. This is his body, his mm-hmm. blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's physical. His soul, of course, and then his divinity. But his body and blood are here. So there's a physical presence. He says it's not in the same way that Christ was present physically in his human body to the apostles, for example. But we can truly say that, in a sense, there is the physical presence of Christ. So we take the physical presence of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. our Lord and our God, through the through the streets as we as we you know procession is is just a traditional way of it's like having a parade you know we think about the ticker tape parades right. <laughs> you know that that you know happen in New York City over over the over the decades you know to honor heroes well there's no greater no hero, greater hero. <laughs> than than the one who has redeemed us from sin and death uh, and and opened for us the way of eternal life 
So we, we carry our king in procession, and, and in doing so, we give him honor. And we, with, with, with hymns, with song, with the, the incense uh, thuribles, uh, you know, swinging and, and offering up our, our prayers symbolized by that incense, and the bells ringing from time to time. And often there's a stop or more stops along the way where we stop and take a moment of adoration of our King, of our Lord in the Eucharist. But it's also a witness. Mm-hmm. So it's not just for us who believe to be able to give honor uh, to our King and our Lord, but it's also a witness of our faith. It's a witness to the, to the wider community. Because I can tell you, you know, I've done this several times now in, in Portland, and we process from the cathedral uh, all the way down through part of the Pearl District into the North uh, Park blocks, and there we have a stop where we pray and and the Rosary, and then and then we process back to the cathedral. Well, when we're processing through the streets of of the North Parks District or the Pearl, uh, we get a lot of looks, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, and we've yet to encounter any hostility. Uh, which I'm very grateful for. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there are some, sometimes some mentally ill people uh, among our, our, our precious homeless population who, <laughs> you know, they're not being hostile, but they, they might utter some odd things. I, I know when we did the uh, procession earlier this, this was it this? No, I guess last year last that year. we did for, for the uh, peace in Portland. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a, uh, we processed by a, it looked like an exercise studio where uh, a woman was leading an exercise group, you know, group exercise, and she was, so she was on a microphone so to, for her, her participants there, and, and her door was open so we could kind of hear what was going on in there. And somebody must have asked, what in the heck is that going by, <laughs> you know? And she says, oh, you know, I grew up Catholic, and I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe you need to come back. But she I grew up Catholic, and, and that's, you know, and so she was explaining to her customers what, what they were witnessing, yeah. you know, and I thought, well, that's great. There's a little bit of a witness. Uh, so it's it's beautiful to witness uh, to our Lord and, and to and to late, uh, you know, and as, as we, every time I process through the streets here of Portland with our blessed Lord, I, I pr- silently pray to myself from time to time or pray to our Lord and say to our Lord, Lord, these are your streets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These streets belong to you. Uh, these are your people. Uh, not just those gathered in, in right. praise of you in procession, but but all of these, even the unbelievers who are looking at us right now, oh, they, they are yours, Lord. They belong to you. This city belongs to you. Uh, it doesn't belong to anyone else but you, Lord, and you are Lord of these streets. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just it's a very powerful experience. There was the other fellow, in, 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 you know, in the in the in the in the Peace for Portland uh, uh, procession. You remember the the story? It was in the Sentinel. The young man he was he was setting up though he was in a restaurant mm-hmm. that and hadn't opened yet, and he was setting up the tables and getting things ready. He was a worker there, and he saw us going by, and he came to the window. And he stood in the window with folded hands as we went by, a young person. Ed Langlois at the Sentinel went in and interviewed him later and, uh, and found out that, yeah, he's, he's a searcher. He's, he recently kind of found God, and he's searching, he's looking, he's, 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 he's trying to find uh, you know, God in his life. And it was interesting because he had no idea what we were doing, but instinctively yeah. there was a response and it drew him. 
And I thought, wow, uh, that that has that, that Jesus has the power to mm-hmm. do that. Absolutely, <clears throat> he would draw himself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he would draw others to himself, even even if they don't quite understand what's going on. Yeah. He has the power of his presence because mm-hmm. he's really there to draw people to himself. Yeah, and that's a testament to bringing Jesus out to the streets to where we where we may be afraid to go. But that's exactly where we are to be called to bring his joy, to bring his kingship, to bring his glory, to bring his mercy, and to have these types of processions. I think the more, <laughs> the and I think it is a sign, Archbishop, of unity, of bringing our priests together, uh, young men as altar servers, to be able yeah. to serve our seminarians, to be able to take part in experiences like this, to say, this is my faith, I'm going to proclaim it boldly in the streets. Uh, this brings us closer together yeah, as a the, family. The, um, I think that that you're right. I think it makes a great impression upon people, and and I think it does make a great impression upon you know our young men and boys who serve uh, in this. In, in, you know, it, it it has to inspire in their heart a little bit of an openness, you know, mm-hmm. to 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 being a priest and to be able to to confect the Eucharist to bring about Christ's presence in the Eucharist. To share him with the faithful, but also to share Jesus with with the whole world in these processions, um, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. And you know, the the very origins of the feast of Corpus Christi go back to a Eucharistic miracle, where a priest, uh, uh, this was in Italy, a priest was doubting uh, his own faith in the Eucharist. He was doubting that Jesus was truly present in the Eucharist, and he was having very serious doubts about it, and he went on a pilgrimage to Rome to try to get an answer to his doubts. And uh, on his way back, he he stopped in, in a t- small town and celebrated Mass there. And as he was celebrating Mass, when he elevated the host at the, uh, at the elevation, the host began to bleed, truly bleed in his hands, and the blood drip down onto the corporal, the white cloth that is opened on the altar, you know, during the celebration of Mass. And the priest, you know, uh, brought the uh, uh, corporal to the bishop, the local bishop who was in Orvieto, uh, to the Holy Father, actually. I think I think the story is the Holy Father was in Orvieto at the time visiting, and he brought it and showed it to the Holy Father. And the Pope then declared it to be a true miracle. And in, in, in recognition of this Eucharistic miracle, he's the one that proclaimed the establishment of the Feast of Corpus Christi, of the body and blood of Christ. And had St. Thomas Aquinas actually compose mm-hmm. the office, if you will, the, the, the divine office, the breviary, for this feast day. And in, in the two great Eucharistic hymns mm-hmm. we have, the O Salutaris and the Pange Lingua or the Tantumergo at the end of it there, they are written by St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that corporal is still there in the cathedral in Orvieto. I've seen it uh, on display and, and prayed before uh, this, this incredible miracle. Of, of So that's the origins of, of, the, of, the, of the feast. Again, the Lord reminding us in this miracle to a doubting priest that he is truly present yeah. in the Eucharist. And he is there in his mercy and his love for mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you share this, Archbishop... I think that one thing we can take home is, one, to always and as often as we can, 
to receive the Holy Eucharist in a state of grace, as we've talked about before, but also those opportunities of adoration, of a time like joining in if you can. I know it will be live streamed on Sunday following the t- uh, 11 o'clock Mass at St. Mary's. The group will be gathering in Beaverton on Saturday, the day before the feast, and then at Mount Angel. But if you can join in either online or at a procession, but any time to go to adoration, that these are important ways that we we nurture that relationship. You talked about a relationship with Jesus. We have to nurture that. Well, we, we have to adore our Lord. Yeah. You know, and, and there was a time in the church after the Second Vatican Council when there was a real downplaying. I have to tell you, I never, I went to Catholic grade school and high school. I never saw the Eucharist exposed in a, in a, on the altar in a monstrance until I was a, a college student. So, but we've recaptured this mm-hmm. sense of adoration of our Lord. This doesn't take anything away from the celebration of the Mass and the, and, and the Eucharist uh, in the Mass and the reception of Holy Communion. But how can we not adore? How can we not adore our Lord if he's truly present there? And he is truly present there. So, yes, time we spend in prayer, I like to put it this way, to, to bask in the light of the Eucharistic face of Jesus uh, to rest our our weary head on his Eucharistic heart, to bask in the sunshine of Jesus, S-O-N, mm-hmm. sunshine. Uh, and as someone once said, and to get a sunburn, yeah. <laughs> S-O-N, burn, to have Jesus uh, impart his grace and blessing upon us as we pray in his Eucharistic presence. Beautiful. Well, we hope you all enjoy and really celebrate in adoring our Lord, particularly on the Feast of Corpus Christi. And with that, Archbishop, would you lead us in prayer? Certainly. Lord Jesus, out of your great love for us, you gave us and left us this memorial of your death and resurrection, of your love and desire to remain with us always in the sacrament of your most holy body and blood. Lord, help there be a great resurgence in faith and devotion among your people to your Eucharistic presence so that fortified by this gift from you and from heaven, we may bear witness to you before the world. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for listening to the Voice of the Shepherd on Mater Day Radio. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie. Until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.